Good morning, folks. Today is Tuesday, August 30th. Welcome to episode number 186 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day and providing expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we've got something for you, I guarantee you. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Listen, folks, cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. And if you don't think ransomware is a big deal, as I was setting the stories up for today's uh, broadcast, there's uh, projections of ransomware being a $30 billion criminal enterprise in 2023. So if you don't think that your business, your business is too small to get slapped around by ransomware, you know, <laughs> you might want to think twice about it. Go to barricadecyber.com, set up a no hassle, no obligation chat with Eric Taylor and his team and see what's going on. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So two and a half a week, roughly 10 a month, 30 a quarter, they do stack up. You'll blow out your requirements of your CPE obligations quickly, and it will be quite enjoyable. Usually CPEs can be a, a grind. Just say what's up in chat. Say hashtag team live. If you're with us live, if you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay. That way you can document literally the easiest and most enjoyable way. And auditors won't have a, uh, you know, a leg to stand on if they're, if they're saying that you were not actually part of this. It'll be burned into the stream. I see you guys stacking up in here. I can't wait to say good morning to all of you. Give you an update on me, on my health. If, now, if you are uh, live, I love it. I see that there's 68, 70 plus of you stacking in here. We are pushing out to Josh Mason's live stream, uh, YouTube, Jack Scott's Outpost Gray, uh, Twitch, Twitter. Obviously, all the Simply Cyber channels are going out there. So thank you for being here. I can't wait to get into the news with you. Now, if you are on Team Replay, um, you guys have the benefit of time travel, which means when this picture right here goes to... Um, news we're off and running so you can jump ahead until you see visually that it's there if you're listening on your audio podcast app of choice which the daily threat briefing is published you know after we do this live i take the audio and put it up on a um podcast app that sends it out so you can get it on spotify apple podcast stitcher all, all of the major podcast apps so if you prefer to listen to it uh you will inevitably be team replay but you can just uh jump forward a couple minutes but as I always like to do, I'm going to, I've already had my coffee, so I've got my water bottle here. Uh, today, I'm going to have a little bit of water and I'm going to welcome everybody into chat. we got a lot of stuff to cover today. I'm super excited. Let me lower my desk so my head is higher in the frame. There we go. How's that? That looks pretty good. So good morning, Gail Salons. Hey, Michael Fink. Good to see you. Obviously, James Roberts. Navina, I saw you. Victoria K coming in from Boston. I do love Boston. I have my roots there. Shane Prevost, good to see you. Kids back in school. Get ready, Shane. You know, they, they bring home the uh <clears throat> they bring home the uh the illnesses. Um so I tested um I tested yesterday. I'm definitely sick. Um I'm I'm you know keeping myself away from everybody, 
but I feel much better. I slept. Uh, I'm rested. I've got throat lozenges, Ricolas, whatever, to help with my throat. So uh, I'm bringing the heat today. I did teach at the uh, Citadel this morning. I did a Zoom class, uh, so I didn't have to go into campus. Talked about networks. That's all the good stuff. Uh, Andres Escobar might be a mute on your end. Hopefully everybody can hear me. Uh, my audio seems to be reflecting that, um, yeah, you guys can hear me. Andres, check your, uh, well, you can't even hear me to tell you to check your mutes. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, hey, what's up, Nathan? Jay Smith. Good to see you. Jimmy on the hashtag team live. Sandra, uh, I had some hot tea last night. I will be having hot tea later today. I'm all over some hot tea action. Thanks, Link Down. Gary, my man, good to see you. Omar Alvarez up in here. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, we'll wait for you, Andres. Poner Joe, how you liking this 10 a.m. start, Poner Joe? Cosmic Vibes. Cosmic Vibes with the call out yesterday for Worldwide Wednesdays. Guys, tomorrow, just so you know, just as like a little fun thing that we can do on stream, tomorrow... We're going to see if we can get every continent represented on stream. So I'll be doing a call out on the intro uh, to, to throw out where you're calling in from. Sasha's got us covered for the European theater. Appreciate that, Sasha. Hey, Connie Daggett. I do love some ginger. I do love some ginger tea. That's always nice. Hey, Ron Clark. Good to see you. All right. Omatola. Good to see you. Love it. All right. Now that Andres is sorted out. Uh, let's, let's get into it. Like I said, I do have a bunch of things I want to share with you, including guys, I'm going to tease it out today. Um, I've got, uh, a really awesome raffle prize is for next week. So every day next week, we're going to have a raffle. I'll tell you about it. Um, at the, at the halfway point when we do the read, I've got some upcoming stuff from the month of September. Um, that's really interesting. <laughs> cosmic vibe going to Antarctica. I do know people in Antarctica, so maybe we could do that one day. I'd have to coordinate it, obviously, uh, but we could definitely do that. All right. So thank you all for being here. Let's get into the news, shall we? From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. Microsoft warns Iranians using Log4Shell. According to a new report from the Redmond Giant, the Iranian group Muddy Water continues to target Israeli organizations using the Log4Shell vulnerability. Recent attacks targeted vulnerabilities in the IT management software SysAid, particularly popular in Israel. U.S. Cyber Command disclosed earlier this year that Muddy Water showed ties to the Iranian Ministry of Intelligence and Security. The group previously used Log4Shell to target VMware apps. Microsoft reported state-sponsored actors from China, Iran, North Korea, and Turkey use Log4Shell in campaigns. Okay. Monta okay, a couple things here. One, um, that's kind of hard to see. Guys, I, you know, obviously I couldn't have predicted this, but um, ThreatGen Red versus Blue, last Wednesday on ThreatGen's YouTube channel, I played ThreatGen Red versus Blue as a threat actor, and I literally played as... Muddy Water, aka Static Kitten, uh, for my for my uh, methodology, right? So if you're interested in learning about this threat actor a little bit more, TTPs and how they would operate, go watch that live stream. I literally emulated them in an environment. 
Okay, so now to this story. Guys, don't sleep on um, on uh, Muddy Water, a.k.a. Static Kitten. They do target uh, Middle Eastern countries mostly. So if you are operating in the U.S. or kind of the Five Eye countries, you're, you're less likely um, to get hit. But it looks like they're attacking Israel now. You know, they are a nation-state threat actor. They do do some more advanced stuff. Um, I will point out, guys, Israel is a... Israel's an interesting target. Um, so if you guys don't know this, Israel is actually like really, really good at cybersecurity, right? So they have the, um, they're a small country, but a lot of great security product products come out of Israel or the brains behind the products come out of Israel. I mean, Palo Alto, perfect example. That's like, that is a household name for firewalls. Israel, right? Uh, Intizer has been on uh, the Simply Cyber show before. Great platform. Israel, right? Like we could, we could go down the list. It's, it's not uncommon for a really great security product to have Israel backend ties, okay? You, you see it with like NSA backend ties as well. So I don't know if the Iranian attackers are attacking Israel um, for the goal of espionage and intellectual threat of, uh, of theft of some of these products. But if I had to guess based on no other information, that's what I would think the the goal would be for these guys. Although I got to say, it is interesting to, uh, to to go after the people who are really good at security uh, with a cybersecurity attack. Shuttle Crab brings up the point about how this new precedent around that Lloyd's of London is not going to be issuing insurance or they'll have exclusionary clauses in their uh, insurance policies around nation state uh, cyber war and stuff like that. So nation state threat actors. So obviously, yes, that, that brings up a good point around that. Uh, the final thing I'll say about this, they do talk about in the story about how muddy water um, is targeting, you know, uh, specific technologies. But as it, you know, it mentions in the story itself, Log4Shell, um, guys, Log4Shell had a lot of uh, bark, not a lot of bite. Right. Remember in December 21, Log4Shell came out. I made a video on the channel about it, how to, like showing how to exploit it and stuff. Very low barrier to attack. People weren't sure where it was because it was like baked into products and stuff like that. Open source supply chain became a whole topic of discussion kind of at the macro level. Like what would the next Log4Shell be? We didn't really see any major compromises that I'm aware of from Log4Shell, right? It was much more sizzle than it was substance. But it it's still out there, right? It didn't go away. People patched it. Some people turned off technologies that had it. But in some instances, it was hard to do it, or maybe they didn't think that it could be discovered, or maybe internally they did not find the Log4Shell uh, instances in their own environment. Obviously, muddy water is finding opportunities to exploit exploit log for shell against uh, targets of interest. So, you know, be mindful of that. I guess the the thing is, you know, you know, you should be patching, you should be mindful of log for shell. But if you are um, Middle Eastern country, you can see. Uh, okay, no, this is uh, who else is abusing log for shell? As far as the muddy water stuff goes, though, if you're in Middle East Asia. Just be mindful of this. It's it's basic APT 
101, like protect your assets from the, the targets that are most likely to attack your assets. Montenegro hit with Russian cyber attacks. The country's minister of public administration, Marash Dukaj, warned that a wave of Russian-based cyber attacks began hitting state agencies. Targets include utility systems, transportation infrastructure, and online portals to government services. Dukaj said the government disabled some services temporarily for security reasons, but that no citizen or business data was impacted. The U.S. Embassy in Montenegro warned American citizens of increased risk of cyber attacks in the country. Okay, so that that sucks. Um, you know, okay, so Russia's attacking it. This is a coordinated, you know, cyber attack effort. They are attacking uh, critical infrastructure, utilities, power. Uh, it, it, you know, this is a nice opportunity to highlight that Montenegro was able to d default back to manual operations. If you have some type of critical system, and I'm not talking about like just a business that makes product or whatever, but if you have some type of business, uh, critical like societal business, right? Like you're delivering healthcare, right? Your hospital, you're delivering power to a community. Being able to default to manual operations is something that should be in your business continuity playbook. Even if you're delivering, you know, 60% capacity, 70% capacity, you're still delivering the business, right? Just in kind of a diminished state. Being at 0% delivery, that's not good. That sucks, right? Um, it looks like Montenegro is being targeted because it's going, uh, according to the article, right? Um, it's undergoing severe political crisis um, where people are, it's talking about joining the European Union versus uh, pro-Russian Serb. This isn't, basically, it sounds like Montenegro, and I'll admit my ignorance, like I'm not, I couldn't point Montenegro out on a world map right now. So, you know, there's that. Montenegro is kind of experiencing the same thing that like Ukraine is like, you know, we want to be part of NATO and, uh, you know, uh, European Union. I don't know if Montenegro wants NATO, but basically European Union and kind of like that alliance. And Russia is like, oh, no, this isn't good. We don't want you to do that. And I mean, if you look at a world map, it's basically like these countries are forming an alliance um, that is opposed to Russia and building like not a wall, but building uh, a front, if you will, and it scares Russia from a political power perspective. Not super cyber on the political front, but they are attacking. They are knocking over services. Uh, it's not good. I'm sure this will be a developing story um, as far as as far as uh, what happens with Montenegro here. I, you know, they said U.S. the U.S. embassy has issued a security alert to warn American citizens in the country about the risk of cyber attacks. I mean. That's a nice service offering from the U.S. Embassy, but I don't think, based on what I'm seeing, I don't think Russia's targeting U.S. citizens in Montenegro. I think they're targeting Montenegro, and if you happen to be a U.S. citizen walking around the streets of Montenegro, there could be some type of collateral spillover, but likely they're targeted attacks on critical infrastructure, not individuals walking around. Alpha Bay turns one. The threat intelligence firm Flashpoint published a report detailing the activities of the dark web market Alphabet over the last year. The market relaunched in August 2021 after being taken down by law enforcement in July 2017. Flashpoint found the market hosted over 37,000 listings in the year across 12,000 vendors, with roughly 90% of those for illicit drugs. 
with the seizure and shutdown of several prominent dark web markets in the year, Flashpoint estimates it became the top illicit market online in May 2022. The market's next goals include finalizing a new payment module and adopting I2P as an alternative to Tor. Mudge. Okay. So, you know, if you guys don't know, um, ever since Silk Road, Silk Road was like the original online illicit marketplace. There's a really good... Um, I can't make this graphic any bigger, unfortunately. There's a really great Darknet Diaries around uh, Silk Road, but basically, illegal marketplace, <clears throat> you can buy drugs, weapons, contraband, um, you know, criminal services, professional services, if you want to go that route, uh, counterfeit cash. So as long as there's this market, right, people are going to be doing this. Silk Road got shut down. Silk Road 2 got shut down. You can see uh, Flashpoint has got a list here of all these different marketplaces um, over the years. And guys, Alpha Bay is the orange. And like, just look, look at it. Like from a, honestly, from a business perspective, if you were presenting to the board, the board would be pants off for this. Look at this. Alpha Bay has 100% saturation of the illicit marketplace listings. Since June, you want to talk about a great Q2 for business, right? Again, I'm not. Thank you for the sum, uh, Psychak. Got to see Carl there. Listen, I'm not. I never. I'm never endorsing or supporting criminal uh, enterprises, but I do hat tip them on execution and delivery. This right here, look how orange that is. That is fully orange in the last three months. That is. Those those aren't rookie numbers. Those are those are pro level numbers. So good on them. Uh, it looks like a lot of you know according to the header here, you know pot, credit cards, counterfeit cash, um, you know selling basically stolen or illicit materials. Uh, no big deal. Um, obviously, with the advance of uh, cryptocurrencies, it makes transactions a little bit easier uh, to make. You still have to get the stuff delivered, which introduces a level of risk uh, by the buyer. By the buyer and the sender, actually, in the in the uh, transaction. So just be mindful. This is really, you know, to me, this is an interesting look at the dark, seedy underbelly of criminal enterprise. This is less about threat actors attacking you and more about kind of the marketplace of of um, dealing with all this stuff. Cash does rule everything around me. Shadow crab cream. I need a sounder for that says that yells cream. Pulled into Twitter lawsuit. Court filings reveal Elon Musk's attorneys subpoenaed Twitter whistleblower and former security chief Pieter Mudge Zatko. It's unclear if Musk will amend his countersuit against Twitter to reflect Zatko's filed complaints with regulatory agencies. Musk's camp would need the judge's permission to amend the countersuit, something that may not be granted given how close the case is to trial. Zatko accused Twitter of material misrepresentation and omissions about security and privacy protections built into its platform, while Musk's countersuit takes issue with reported spam accounts. And now thanks to this. Okay. So basically, um, I, you know, Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter. And then he did the spam bot account thing, kind of pointing out that maybe the value of the platform wasn't worth $44 billion. Long story short, they're they're going to uh, um, court. Last week, uh, Mudge, aka Peter Zapko, 
uh, aka like OG of the information security space, you should definitely know who Peter Zapko is. He um, he was head of security for Twitter and he got fired uh, and then came out and said, listen, the overall security um, of Twitter is hot mess. It's a hot trash. It's, it's the dumpster fire emo, if you will, chat. And um, you need to be mindful of this, right? Because Twitter is really, really uh, integrated into our society. It's woven into the fabric of how we communicate. It's a big deal. It can be compromised. Equifax level breach is what Peter Zapko actually said. Now, the fact that he's getting brought into this, uh, I do want to uh, make a point here. And this is like one of those points where um, I'm going to use this story as a, as a launching off point, but this is really valuable for practitioners, okay? I have dealt with mergers and acquisitions before. I worked at an academic medical center that was wholesale buying up medical um, hospitals and practices and stuff like that, building out a network, whatever. When you go to buy... When you go to buy a business, right? Like your business, you're going to acquire a business. This doesn't apply to everybody because some of you work somewhere that, you know, they're not in the acquisition stuff, but some of you are, okay? When you go to acquire a business, you are taking on all their stuff. Guys, it is not as simple as just like ripping down the shingle outside and hanging a shingle that looks like yours and saying like, all of a sudden, this is, you know, a simply cyber business also. You have all of the data, all of the processes, all of the applications that that business currently uses, all of the entanglements of all the vendors and all the other crap that they deal with, right? And you you are gonna connect your networks. It takes long time, a lot of process, a lot of mistakes will happen as you integrate that business into yours. A lot, you know, sometimes if you're gonna be cheap and lazy and easy, you'll just hang the shingle up and then you'll run it as two separate businesses, which totally sucks long-term because now, you don't have economies of scale for for IT provisioning. You might have different technologies, right? So like you're a Windows shop and a Cisco shop, and all of a sudden you buy this business and they're a Ruba network, everything, and they've got Macs flying around all over the place, right? Or they, they're all about BYOD, bring your own device, and you guys are strict uh, deploying hardware under your own framework. It introduces all sorts of complexities, okay? It's not easy. And we're not even getting into the data, data repositories and data integration, all that stuff. Okay. So why am I telling you this? Well, when you go to price a business, right? Part of the, what are they? There's a term for it. It's called the um, due diligence period, I believe. Yeah. The business is going to say, we're for sale. We're a million dollar business. We make $2 million revenue annually. Uh, we're a great deal. Buy us. Right. But then you have to do your due diligence to understand like how much like what's actually going on in this business as an information security professional you should be involved in this due diligence activity where you go talk to them hey when was your last security breach what happened hey when was the last time you guys did a pen test report what happened hey like what like like look at your external network we want to scan your internal network like you have to do the due diligence to ascertain the health of their business from a cybersecurity perspective because Kimberly get ready straight cash homie straight cash homie right if the business is a million dollars and it's hot trash from a cybersecurity perspective you may actually be buying a, a train wreck right yeah it's business but you're going to get popped in a month and now guess who owns that responsibility right you so i you know 
Elon's not going to do this, but listen, if I was Elon Musk and I was spending $44 billion, that's just silly money, by the way. So like if I was spending $750 million, right, on a business and I found out that their information security posture was as hot trash as what Peter Zapko revealed in a public whistleblowing um, announcement or whatever, I would be next level pissed because it's basically like buying a wicked nice boat that has like holes all over the boat right above the waterline, right? You are taking on a huge liability, a huge risk that you cannot turn around very quickly, right? It's, it's Twitter. It's huge. There, there, it, it would be, it would take at least, th- I mean, like three months just to make some incremental improvement on cybersecurity. Okay. So all that's a long way to, to point about this is that if you deal with mergers and acquisitions, be mindful that cyber should be involved in the due diligence period. And the things that you should be looking for is like, what's the security posture? What's the most recent incidents, actives? Oh, and by the way, I'll, this is the last thing I'll, I'll say on to this. You literally could be buying a business that's actively compromised. Who owns the responsibility? Who pays for the uh, incident response and the cleanup and the liability and the contacting um, the customers and dealing with all that stuff? If they were compromised on May 1st and you bought them on May 2nd and on May 3rd you find out about it, guess what? It gets really messy very quickly. And the business that sold, they're on the beach counting their money, right? So be, be, be mindful of that, okay? Fancy! Light Spice, Light Spice. This week's episode sponsor, Code42. Have you been thinking about launching an insider risk management program? You don't need to be big brother to effectively address insider risk. Code42 believes that the three E's should define any IRM program, expertise, education, and enforcement. Shift your security culture from watchdog to guide dog, and everybody wins. Learn more at code42.com slash show me. More. All right. So thank you, uh, CISO Series. I just want to take a couple minutes, guys. I want to, uh, first of all, thank you all for the well wishes. I did see it in chat. You guys uh, wishing me, uh, you know, good fortune on a quick recovery and prayers. Uh, I do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I want to share this, guys. So uh, real quick, Barricade Cyber Solutions, longtime sponsor, uh, incident response, ransomware recovery. Um, I'm happy to announce that uh, starting um, September 1st, uh, for some period of time, Recon InfoSec will also be sponsoring the Daily Threat Briefing. You guys may know Recon InfoSec from Eric Capuano. Uh, He has a video on my channel where I interview him about SOC analyst work. Very, very great, great interview video. A lot of people have loved that video over the years. He, he, Recon, InfoSec, uh, Recon InfoSec runs the OpenSoc.io Blue Team Village uh, CTF Challenge every year at DEF CON. Uh, they, they're just a great group of people. They have an MDR service, which is Blue Team related, but slightly different. Uh, managed detection and response. So it doesn't conflict with Barricade, uh, but it's a different service. They're going to be coming on as a sponsor and as part of the, I guess, announcement or whatever. Um, Recon, Eric, has agreed to 
provide five uh, training vouchers. One, two, three, four, five. So one for each day next week. And don't worry about you team replay. I will do team replay um, versions of this. Guys, he's agreed to give five vouchers for... Now, there is the operations one, which is a two-day training. He's decided to give us five core vouchers. Each training is a $3,500 ticket. Okay, guys, this is like... Legit, legit, legit SOC analyst training. Um, like, it's it's not a range. It's like you are a SOC analyst working in a SOC using Velociraptor, Hive, um, Greylock. Like, you're using all the tools. It's a deep, immersive SOC analyst training experience. Okay, guys? He's giving us five. The training is is live. You can do it remotely. I've taken the training. In fact, there's a video on the channel of me going through the first two days of the training, the essential one. This training is going to be September 26th through 29th. If you win and you can't do it those weeks for whatever reason, uh, maybe we'll work with you and, and Recon InfoSec and, and do the next one. I think they do these quarterly. Long story short, guys, this is like, this is a really sick raffle prize. And uh, I want to say thank you to Recon InfoSec for making this. So this will be raffled off next week. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as part of uh, the stream, okay? So just FYI, shout out. Um, this training would fall under blue. This is, Poner Joe, this training is as blue as it gets. Here, look. I'm going to put this link in chat uh, for y'all um, if you want to go check it out and see what it's all about. I took the two-day essential training, okay? I took this training right here. Uh yeah, no, no. I took the, uh, yeah, I took the two-day essential training. Okay? I was on a team, Differ Diva, Elon Wright was on my team. We were like a, a, a team of four or five people running a sock with active incidents happening, and we were doing ticketing, investigations, using tooling to dig into the, um, like the network uh, traffic to find uh, malicious activity. It's a dope. It's a dope training, okay? It's it's very legit. Um so that'll be raffled off next week. Next week, excuse me. And I'll tease this again as as the week goes on. Another thing I want to share with you guys real quick, um I've also decided that uh I I don't know the exact dates. I'm kind of looking for feedback, but I will I played World of Haiku on stream a couple weeks ago and it was a good time. Uh I'm going to stream a couple times a month. World of Haiku's got some new content coming out. Uh, I want to have a fixed schedule, so I'll consult with people on Discord on what a good idea is. Maybe Monday, 4 to 5 p.m. or Friday, 4 to 5 p.m. I don't know, but I'm going to be playing World of Haiku with some consistency, showing you guys all that stuff. So if you have any thoughts on that, uh, let me know. Otherwise, uh, please join us because it is a fun game. And now I have a computer that's strong enough to actually run all of this gear and World of Haiku at the same time. The final thing before we get back into the news if you heard about the newsletter that I send out on Monday morning and you guys want to sign up, you can do exclamation point newsletter. But I also set up something on my Twitter profile where you can literally just, you literally just click on this in the Twitter profile and it'll push you to the newsletter. Okay. Not push you. It'll sign you up period end of story. Okay. So I just want to make that as easy as possible for people to find that uh, Monday newsletter. Got a lot of great feedback on that as well. All right, let's keep going details on the Twilio attack. 
The communications API giant revealed more details about its recent cyber attack. It identified 163 customers whose data was accessed in the attack. Malicious actors gained access to 93 individual Authy users and registered devices to their accounts. Twilio notified all impacted parties and removed unauthorized devices. While Twilio received a large amount of coverage from this attack, the breach came as part of a much wider phishing campaign believed to have compromised 9,931 accounts across 136 organizations. <clears throat> yep. NATO this is pretty scary. Um, so if you guys don't know, Authy is uh, like a two-factor um, authenticator app for your mobile devices. Think of like Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator. I like Authy. I use Authy. <clears throat> Excuse me. The reason I like Authy... Excuse me. The reason I like Authy is because you can have it on multiple systems, okay? One account, multiple systems. So if you use Google Authenticator, for example, and you lose your phone or you get a new phone or whatever, you literally have to unenroll from MFA on all the apps and then re-enroll on your new device. It becomes a usability versus security uh, question, right? Because, <clears throat> yeah, other people can't register uh, on their devices. Threat actors can't do it. But then it's super full of friction when you... Um, it's super full of friction when you have to transfer devices and it's painful. So I like Authy for that reason. Obviously, it sounds like uh, threat actors were... Uh, Authy is made by Twilio. Threat actors compromised Twilio not too long ago, uh, which had uh, serious ramifications and it looks like they were able to get into 93 different users. My question immediately becomes, was it targeted or was it 93 random users? If it was targeted, you know, obviously this was part of a complicated... Uh, account compromise scenario. Again, I would probably look to crypto cash, homie. to figure out like who those users were. Um, it's no different than like SIM swapping in order to get the two-factor MFA code texted to you so you can break into someone's account. Um, the good thing is it sounds like Twilio was able to identify who those users were and actually get them straightened out. So limited impact uh, on this, but just goes to show you guys, MFA is not a silver bullet. I think you should put MFA in as many things as possible, but it's not a silver bullet, guys. It, it is another piece of the armor in a defense in-depth approach. So good end-user education awareness, password vault, so you can use different passwords across stuff, multi-factor authentication, maybe conditional access for certain things. Again, conditional access is more on the vendor side, not on the end user side. But, you know, it takes a village, right? What the crap? Hold on. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, looks like we're having audio issues. I guess it wouldn't be a, a simply cyber week without an audio issue. NATO investigating data leak at defense contractor. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Why? 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 Stop. My my computer. <laughs> I'm going to throw this computer. My computer is dynamically deciding where to send the audio feed. It thinks I want it sent to one of my virtual assistants instead of what it, what it's going to right now. Like, who is this? What is this? Hold on one second. 
I think my son, <laughs> I think my son, okay, hold on one second. Treaty organization launched an investigation into data reportedly stolen from the French contractor MBDA Missile Systems. The company confirmed that a cache of data for sale on a hacker form included some from its systems. Leaked data includes blueprints of weapons used by Ukraine in its conflict with Russia. However, MBDA said the cache contains no classified information. The data appeared online after attackers attempted to extort MBDA for a ransom, which the contractor refused to pay. Global okay. So this is a perfect example, okay? This, this is an example of a compromised... Um, a compromised vendor, right? A compromised business. Um, you know, it's like ransomware, double extortion technique. So on its surface, macro level, threat actors get into a business, they exfiltrate data, they ransomware the box or, or the business, and now they charge you to decrypt and they have access to the data that they'll try to sell uh, either back to you or to whomever wants to spend money on it in order for the threat actor to get paid, right? It's all about getting paid for the threat actors. Now, a lot of times, and I'll, I'll, I'll take a fact check on this if I'm wrong, but a lot of times threat actors will send out, you know, a bunch of phishing emails, maybe spear phishing, um, if they know what they're doing, but they don't always know who they got. They actually like will get a bunch of callbacks and then they'll have to go in to the compromised machines and try to piece together who they have, right? Like, I know we all like to think we're special, but a lot of times threat actors are just wholesale trying to compromise businesses. So this is an example where they may have, comp you know, it may have not been targeted. They compromised it, pulled the data down. I don't even know if this, this uh, missile vendor company got ransomware or not, but the threat actors are like, holy crap, look at this. Look at this gold mine we got. We got missile plans. That sounds pretty valuable. Let's sell it on the dark web. Obviously, because of national security implications, uh, large governmental powers like NATO is now investigating um, who put it up there. I, I mean, I would be very, very careful. Um, I, I almost, honestly, if I was a threat actor and I found that, yeah, it is pretty juicy uh, to sell missile plans. But at the same time, to me, that would almost be like radioactive. Like you're calling down a lot of focus and a lot of heat by, you know, trying to sell, you know, massive weapons or the plans to make massive weapons, right? Confidential data. It's, it's not good. You know, like just look at, um, hackers claim that their ad for the leaked data to have classified information also on employees and companies that took part. Yeah, like, I don't know, guys. Look at um, Colonial Pipeline got uh, compromised. They didn't compromise the OT stuff. They compromised the IT side. But in the America, people were, like, losing their mind. There was a run on gas for a minute. It really was sensitive. And then the U.S. government got heavily involved very quickly. And wouldn't you know it, uh, got, got the threat actors right away, got the money back, which is wicked uncommon in ransomware incidents. Um, all because they brought down a lot of heat. This right here, there's a lot of heat. I don't even know who, um, I don't even know who the, uh, APT was that did it. So, 
Yeah, I, okay. I guess I didn't consider this. The story points out that maybe it's a pro-Russia uh, APT group that doesn't care and wants to... Like, it doesn't matter if NATO finds out who they are or whatever because they're operating in a pro-Russian kind of uh, alignment as part of, like, a cyber war. But, I mean, if that was the case, I don't know why they would sell the missile plans publicly as opposed to uh, use it for espionage purposes. But, anyways... I wouldn't do this. I find this like there's certain things that are just radioactive. And this right here seems radioactive. Ransomware expected to exceed $30 billion. This comes from a Cronus's mid-year cyber threat report, which expects global ransomware losses to hit that figure in 2023. The report also found that nearly half of all breaches in the first half of 2022 involved stolen credentials. Many of these came from phishing campaigns. Acronis observed 600 malicious email campaigns in that window. The report also notes that attackers increasingly are looking to unpatch software to extract data, with a particular emphasis on Linux systems. Crypt okay. So, I mean, here, here's a... This might be the one for the peers, uh, for the, the peers on uh, the, the weekly email. Guys... Yeah, okay, so exceed $30 billion. That is a number that uh, will resonate with executives. But what they're saying here is a lot of times the attack initiates with uh, unpatched systems, probably internet-facing. Um, they said another thing. It, it totally lost my mind. Oh, it, oh, and Linux operating systems have an uptick in activity. So, you know, use this as an opportunity to, like, you know, if you've got Linux systems... Like, Windows systems are easier to patch, for lack of a better term, right? Windows has gone to a, a roll-up patch cycle kind of quasi-Apple style of patching where you don't really get to pick and choose. You just, like, apply and, and it rolls up and that's good to go. Linux requires a bit more finesse, right? Like, yeah, you can update the Linux operating system, but then there's, like, supporting drivers, libraries. Um, you know, it's, it's, it requires a bit more engineering. Uh, to maintain. And threat actors, I guess, are aware of this because we're seeing an uptick. So just be mindful that all of your technology, and this is why you need to be, this is why you need to be vigilant, not just in maintaining and patching your, your uh, IT stacks, but when people are talking about procuring technology or introducing tech to your environment, you know, don't be afraid uh, to push back a little bit or ask the question a lot, ask the question, who's going to maintain this? How long is it going to be on the network? Like, what's the long-term play? Like, oh, you know, we bought it and it comes with one year of service from the vendor. Okay. And then what? You're going to take it off my network at, in year two? No. Well, then who's going to maintain it? Oh, I don't know. Well, that's a question, right? Guys, it's absolutely reasonable and should be part of the conversation on what is the maintenance plan for technology. There's a reason that people go with homogeneous stacks for tech stacks. We're a Windows shop. We're a Cisco shop. It's because you have the in-house skill set to be able to continue to maintain these things. When you start getting into you know, a heterogeneous environment with all sorts of different tech stacks and you don't have the skill to maintain it and you don't have the money to hire either um, staff internally or professional services or the maintenance, um, the, the, the paid for maintenance contract expires, then you have unsupported tech, which 
when it's unsupported tech, it doesn't fail day one, but it doesn't matter because it's literally going to just persist on your network until it stops working. No, like very rarely do people take things off, especially the business side, off the network because it's no longer under warranty or it's no longer maintained. They look at it as this thing is already a sunk cost, right? Like let's use an MRI machine. MRI machine costs a million dollars, right? It's on my network. It runs Windows 7. I'm being generous here, okay? So they bought it in 2015, ran Windows 7. Everything's hunky-dory. It keeps going. Maintenance contract ends. No one's maintaining it. All right. Thanks for the sub, Jamin. Listen, no one's maintaining it, but they're like, Dude, it's only made $600,000 in revenue. They, they wouldn't get into this, but I'm simplifying it. It's only made six hundred grand in revenue. I don't care what you say, nerd. We're not taking it off the network because we're not taking a $400,000 bath on this thing. Okay. So you hope, you maybe apply patches. Then you get to Windows 7 end of life. And the thing's made $1.2 million. So the argument that it uh, uh, hasn't uh, paid for itself is no longer relevant. But we'll put that aside for a second. Now you say, hey, this thing is end of life. Push it off. And they're like, why? You're, here's our business focus. One, we can spend a million dollars on a new device that runs Windows 10 and does the same functional service that this one runs. Or we can spend zero dollars and continue using the investment we've already made to provide a service that does the same thing the million dollar one does. And all we're doing is reaping revenue off of this sunk cost. So you explain to me, Jerry, why do I need to spend a million dollars? Is it because it's an end-of-life operating system? Because that isn't, that isn't cool. I'm not spending a million dollars so I can upgrade to Windows 10. That's the most ridiculous argument ever. Get on out of my face and I'll see you next month for security awareness training. High five. Okay. So these are some of the, like the nuanced arguments that you're going to end up having and you, you need to manage risk, right? So you either come up with a solution to like network box, this windows seven MRI machine, and then come up with like some agreement uh, for them to transition off in some period of time, or you just, you know, permanently isolate it on the network or whatever. But my point is, Long story short, you've got to be mindful of maintenance schedules, maintenance agreements, and what is the long-term life of this thing. Everybody wants to focus wicked hard on procurement and initial you know, implementation. And then like once it's implemented, everybody just moves to the next project. Ooh, let's talk about the next shiny thing. And, re and I'm stuck back here looking at this Windows 7 box like, ugh, ugh. like I got to deal with this. I'm glad you got shiny things, but I got to deal with this. Okay, so just be mindful of all these things. Minor campaign hits 11 countries. Researchers at Checkpoint discovered the Turkish-based campaign dubbed NitroCod. Threat actors distributed the malware across popular free software websites, including Softpedia. It seems that searching for Google Translate desktop download would often turn up the miner. The threat actors apparently ran the campaign since at least 2019, using a trojanized approach to perform a long, multi-stage infection, making it harder for researchers to find. Often the miner would only be deployed weeks after an initial install. Overall, Checkpoint found the software installed on systems across 11 countries. Hmm. It's security conference season. That is interesting. Okay, so... Couple things here, guys. This is, this is actually a nice one. This is a nice little case study one, okay? 
The Nitro Cod Crypto Miner, part Trojan, part Logic Bomb. We've got all sorts of like little niceties going on in here, okay? 2019, this thing's been hauling butt. It is a Trojan because you, you Google, Google Translator, um, what do they say? The Google, Google Translate Desktop Download, okay? And it comes up as a result. And it's being hosted at sites like Softpedia um, and Up to Down, which I've never heard of, but Softpedia I've heard of, right? So you basically are trying to get a Google Translator app. You, you Google it, <clears throat> you pull down. I would assume that the application actually does Google Translate, but it's a Trojan, so it's got this crypto miner in it. Now, that's interesting. Now, here's the logic bomb part. In order to protect itself from being detected and immediately uh, removed, it waits a month. Now, you could argue you know, the value of waiting a month versus instantly doing it because it's not like... You know, well, I guess from a security researcher perspective, maybe they open it up and run it and then they let it run for like a day or two or a week and they're like, all right, this thing doesn't look like it's malicious. So it waits a month. After a month, it reaches out and pulls down crypto miner or it starts launching the crypto miner and it just chips away at crypto mining, which is a, it, it, it's almost, um, it's almost annoying versus malicious. Yeah, you don't want to run a crypto miner, but typically it's not. It's consuming your available system resources. It's not bringing your system to a grinding halt. It's not interrupting your ability to deliver business value or execute on your job. It's just operating in the background using your compute cycles. And um, exactly, Casual Joseph knows how I am on this. Guys, I'm not supporting miners, but... In the grand scheme of crap that you have to deal with as a cyber pro, miners aren't really a front burner issues, okay? In fact, you know, I don't know, man. It's all about risk and reward. Ransomware, you know, it's like ransomware is like, uh, you know, like busting in through the, like breaking through the window and, um, and, and trying to steal as much as you can all at once, right? It's like a one shot, one bang kind of thing. Crypto miners, it's like the long play. It's like a salami attack if you want to uh, pull an old reference from uh, security certification textbooks and stuff. So you get a little bit, it hangs out. Obviously, the value is in having a huge miner network. So, you know, it is what it is. I, whatever. A good, again, not good on, but just be mindful uh, of this. If any of your, if you have any kind of malicious activity, Typically, you'll see minor traffic because there'll be like uh, weird, not weird, but like unusual network traffic because it does have to send its mind effort, its mind comps and stuff uh, out to some service in order to be validated or staked or whatever, whatever the miners are doing. So you might be able to detect that. The fact that it's uh, definitively this Google Translate desktop application you could be able to, you know, key off of that if you see that on uh, an end user's workstation or they mention that they installed it. Again, um, it's a Turkish-based crypto, so I don't really know how... I don't know where this is being seen. I don't know if this is being seen in the United States or this is being seen more in European theater. Um, but yeah, here's the whole... This is kind of cool. This is a, a nice little workflow of, of what the attacker looks like the workflow of the attack, right? You can obviously see too, like when executables like 757F633A.exe launches, 
your EDR might capture that as this doesn't look right. This is an issue. Uh, but here's the logic bomb pieces, right? Schedule task every 15 days, schedule task every two days. Um, so, yep, pretty standard. All right, so that is going to do it for today's threat briefing. I want to remind everybody really quickly, I'm super excited that uh, tomorrow at 11.30, Jack Scott has accepted my invitation to battle. I will be taking on Jack Scott tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. in the Threat Gen Red versus Blue Cybersecurity Simulation Platform. Uh, I believe Jack's will be blue. I will be red. I'll be going for the jugular. This is a little teaser for the upcoming Threat Gen Red versus Blue uh, Invitational Tournament that's being held in September with uh, all all the cybersecurity people that yeah you know who are streaming like um, Cyber Matt Lee, Eric Taylor, um, Ken Underhill, Jax obviously, Outpost Gray representing. I'll be in there. Uh, David Me, Stacy Loki's gonna get her feet wet on this one. So a whole bunch of good people, Josh Mason. So it's gonna be fun. I hope you guys can join us. Come come tomorrow. This is one of those ones that it'll be broadcast on Simply Cyber from my point of view. Jax will be posting on outpost gray from her point of view and then threat gen will be shout casting both uh streams at the same time uh with the uh shout casting um analysis and i think eric taylor i don't know if you're in chat right now but i believe our good friend eric taylor from barricade cyber solutions um or barricade Cybersecurity solutions i'm having like a meltdown right now but uh eric will be shout casting with Clint Bow Dungeon tomorrow. So Eric, aka Ruthless E, as he's been coined, um, who's who's just tearing up people. He tore me up. He tore Cyber Matt Lee up. He'll be shoutcasting. So uh, you might want to enjoy the Threat Gen feed as him and, and Clint um, probably give very subjective analysis on <laughs> on the gameplay. Okay. Also, uh, just a reminder that this Thursday, my Simply Cyber live guest will be Matt Keeley. From practical malware analysis training, the TCM Academy course, PMAT. This dude is a really nice guy, really cool guy. Um, did I blow out 45 minutes? Oh, I'm sorry, Casey. <laughs> Jesus. All right, guys. I, I kind of got lit a little bit on um, on one of these stories. Uh, oh, I lost my mind on uh, maintenance schedules and, and system development lifecycle. But Casey's keeping me honest. I'll talk to you guys soon. Be good. Thanks for all the well wishes. I, I'm on the mend. I'm on the recovery. Tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern will be our show. I'll have all the details on the raffle for next week as well. Take care, everybody. See you out there.